Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my friends. We are diving into our catch-up segment to kick off this week's episode, starting off with what I'm reading. Now, I have mentioned that I started the book In a May's Guide to Childbirth, or maybe I mentioned that that was recommended to me by my midwife. I've started it, and I'm about 50% of the way through. And what I will say is, Prior to reading this book and prior to beginning to think about childbirth, I had a very specific mindset going into childbirth. My mindset was this is going to be a scary, painful, traumatic potentially experience and I want to do everything that I can to avoid the fear, the pain, and the trauma. Now, since I've consumed a little bit more surrounding childbirth, including this book and a few other resources, I have almost entirely changed my attitude and my mentality to childbirth. Now, I would say that actually what's a more accurate statement is my relationship with childbirth has gone back to how I really feel about it, which is that I am capable of doing this. I am you know, prepared to the extent that my body is designed to do this. And I don't need to be so afraid and I don't need to go into it with such a fear-based mentality. So I will just say that I'll be talking a little bit more about that in future episodes, but that book has been really nice because it provides some normal and in some cases positive birth experiences, which I think is really helpful to consume because prior to that, I realized that most of what I had consumed surrounding childbirth was traumatic and scary. So I actually will be talking about that in future episodes, talking about what I'm doing to prepare and all that good stuff. So if you have any questions or comments or anything of that nature if you've gone through it recently or at all and you want to share your experience or share your story then please please do so in the anonymous submission or you can dm me okay shifting gears here what i'm watching we finished season four of sex education and i am disappointed to report that i was not a fan of that final season. I'm so sad that it's over and I think it went out on a low note in my opinion. Now, I posted this on Instagram where I just said like, I did not like this season. I didn't understand it. Why did they go off on this note? And someone DM'd me and kind of said like, I respectfully disagree and asked why I had the thoughts that I did. So I'll share a little bit more. I felt like season four of Sex Education was all over the place and 
they were trying to pack in a lot of themes without going into much depth on each of these themes. I also found it kind of weird that in like the last two episodes, they were starting certain storylines and bringing up really big themes that then were very quickly concluded. I also missed a lot of my really favorite characters in the series. Like I feel like because there were so many new characters introduced and new storylines, others didn't really get a lot of airtime, which I was sad about. And I didn't feel like satisfied, I guess, with the conclusion of certain characters' stories. So that just made me sad. It is what it is. I still love the show overall, but I just, I didn't love that last season. And I feel like I usually don't say anything negative about really anything that I'm consuming because I don't want to criticize, you know, any of the actors involved or anything like that. It's just, it wasn't for me. I was a little sad and I am really sad to see that series be concluded. Okay, on a completely different note, my sister and I started the Squid Game Challenge. I loved the series, The Squid Game. Is it, I always get it confused. Is it Squid Games or Squid Game? I think it's Squid Game. But I saw that this season two or so we thought had come out of Squid Game. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Turns out it's just a reality TV show. And I feel like there's a lot of controversy around this series. I don't really know a lot about it, but to be reimmersed in that world has been kind of fun and we've been enjoying that and I think some new episodes are coming out tonight so my sister and I are going to watch that. I also finished The Golden Bachelor with my sister and I'm not going to give anything away there, but I was very surprised by the outcome, as all I'll say. I did not see that coming, um, but very happy for that outcome. We'll just leave it at that. And in terms of what I've been listening to, I mentioned this a few episodes ago. I've really just been into calming things, ASMR, relaxing music, and just kind of bringing my nervous system into a somewhat regulated state, especially with the next chapter that we are about to enter. Okay, with that said, we are ready to get into today's episode. And what I will say, looking at the notes I have for today, is this feels like a very heartfelt, healing episode for me, almost like a therapy session. So I will just preface it with that. We're unpacking a lot of themes today. I have spoken before about this theme many times and very recently in an episode titled revelations from therapy and weird dreams i touched on it but we're going to be kind of diving in a little bit further today because i've been thinking specifically about this theme of the fear of rejection and how that's manifesting in my chosen career a lot more. I've been noticing just how prominent and influential this fear has been over the course of not just my career in social media, but my life as a whole, at least for as long as I can remember. And, you know, I've been able to look back and see all of the subtle in some cases, and in other cases, very obvious examples of actions I've taken, decisions I've made or not made, 
to avoid being rejected socially. So the ways I've altered myself, my self-expression, you know, situations I've avoided, decisions I've made. I mean, I've always known that about myself, but talking about it more on the podcast and in my personal life and becoming aware of this theme showing up over and over again in different ways has made it clear to me just how powerful this influence has been over the course of my life. What's interesting to me about this exploration and what we're going to be talking about further in this episode is it sort of seems like this fear and my associated coping mechanisms originated from a few specific experiences in my childhood. And through these experiences, specific ideas were imprinted into my psyche, into my identity, into my relationship with others about my place in social spaces and what is required of me in order to be accepted into those spaces and ultimately maintain my position in them. Another thing I found interesting and what we discussed in that episode is that this way of positioning myself socially and relating to others and more generally the theme of fear of rejection has translated even now into many different areas of my life. And the most easily observable one for me right now is through my career. Now, I mentioned that I find it interesting that I've chosen a career where to some extent my livelihood depends on social acceptance and approval. And that's been a really interesting journey that we're here to discuss today. But the message of this episode applies whether you relate to my theme or you've identified some other prominent theme that has followed and impacted you throughout life. And I'll give a few different examples from either submissions I've received on the topic as well as things people have shared with me that are close to me. So let's get into that a little bit more. So like I said, whether or not you relate to my personal theme of sort of the fear of rejection and specifically social rejection, you may be able to identify patterns or themes that have manifested themselves in different ways throughout your life. Now, in this episode, I'll kind of be homing in on patterns associated with our core fears because I feel like they're especially effective at making us repeat specific patterns or avoid certain experiences. Some examples of what this could look like could be fear of rejection, which we already discussed and we will discuss more as we unpack my example a little further, but there's also fear of abandonment, fear of embarrassment, fear of the loss of control, fear of failure, and what I found is that while each of these kind of core fears have influenced me and my life in different ways over the years, the fears that seem to hold more weight in my life now and have kind of continued to throughout my life are those that are associated with 
more prominent and painful experiences and memories. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that some of these fears can play such a huge role in our lives because ultimately they're linked to our survival on some level. And we'll talk about this later in the episode, but my intention isn't to eradicate fear in my life because first of all, I just don't think that that is fully possible. And second of all, I think that fear and our reactions to fear exist for a reason, which is to help us survive. But what I've reflected on and worked through, especially in a period of my life when I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and panic attacks, is that seemingly maladaptive reaction to fear or a perceived threat. In other words, this pattern of having intense fear responses in non-life-threatening situations in a way that begins to seriously impact my thoughts, my behaviors, my decisions. And, you know, for me, when the manifestation of this was at its worst, this looked like avoiding social encounters, having panic attacks in social environments, and, you know, overthinking social interactions to a sort of hellish extent. And, you do everything to protect yourself from this unpleasant experience until you begin to ask yourself, like, is this really how I want to be living? The way that I'm responding implies that there is a serious danger here, but is there any real danger or threat that is causing me to have these, in some cases, life-altering reactions? And for me personally, Until it got to that point where a lot of my social decisions were being impacted by my fears, I may not have actually noticed myself operating from that place of avoidance. I would have thought my relationship with my social life is just who I am versus an adaptation I made because of one or several early life experiences. So it wasn't until the volume on this fear was turned up so loud that I actually had to look at what was going on on a deeper level because it was sort of like my fear was in the driver's seat and what I began to see manifesting in my life wasn't how I wanted to live. I was seeing myself become so limited and so closed off and so confined and that was the motivation that really intense period of anxiety and panic attacks and that kind of being in the driver's seat that gave me the motivation to alter that pattern because again I didn't like the direction that allowing that part of myself to be in the driver's seat was taking me in. And I don't want to suggest, by the way, that you have to get to sort of this rock bottom point or very anxious point to realize that to recognize that and to make a change that unfortunately was just my experience because I essentially ignored it up until then and I think this is just such an interesting thing to explore because I believe that things that can become such pillars of our identity 
could have been as a result of even just one early life experience. So a couple of examples of what this could look like as promised. And these are real life examples, by the way. So I have someone in my life who has a huge fear of getting lost or being alone and not knowing what to do. So how this manifests now is a lot of stress in new unfamiliar environments, wanting to be accompanied when going out somewhere new, needing things to be very well planned out and scheduled and needing things to stick to that schedule and not really being comfortable with unexpected things. And again, these may just be things that we would usually assume are natural parts of someone's personality. But we were chatting recently and this person told me that they've been going to therapy and working through that anxiety because, again, it's become very prominent. And they were reminded of a time from something like 50 plus years ago, so a very long time ago from when they were a kid, and they were in this situation where they got separated from their parent and were lost for a period of time and to this day they can still recall that experience vividly and remember just how terrifying it was. Understandably so, this person expressed that they never want to be again in that situation of feeling powerless and alone and afraid, which truly may have felt life-threatening at the time. And so anything that even in any way resembles that feeling can automatically begin to feel life-threatening, even when it's not. And so you wonder how avoiding that experience, even in subtle ways of feeling powerless, alone, and afraid, which can happen, you know, in any scenario, you wonder over the course of 50 years how that shapes someone's identity and in this case has become a really inconvenient anxiety that ultimately gets in the way of their independence. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
response. Another example from someone in my life is connected with the fear of scrutiny or being reprimanded or sort of just generally getting in trouble and especially publicly. So how this manifests now is this person not wanting to inconvenience anyone, so sort of people-pleasing tendencies, a fear of confrontation or scrutiny. They mentioned to me that often in relationships, they'll avoid communicating certain things because they don't want that person to have a reaction. So withholding things in relationships, etc. And of course, I'm not saying it's this one experience that led to this person having this relationship to scrutiny, but one story that they've told me stands out to me here. So again, this is from a really long time ago, let's say like at least 20 years. They were in grade school, so very young, and had just finished writing a test and had this little pair of fake glasses in their pocket. I'm not exactly sure why, but they put them on. So just quietly sitting at their desk, not bothering anyone, and just like innocently putting on this little fake pair of glasses. I feel like in grade school, we all had this kind of desire to just like dress up and it's very innocent and I remember my dad bought me and my sister fake glasses and we'd wear them to school so anyways it's just this private moment putting on little fake glasses and you can imagine the classroom is quiet because everyone is still writing the test now what happened was the teacher saw them doing this and for whatever reason came over ripped them off her face and sort of reprimanded and yelled at her in front of her whole class and I think especially as a child being humiliated in that way is especially powerful and we don't ever want to be in that situation again because it feels so bad and it feels like such a such an attack especially when that's done in front of other people in front of our peers okay so one more example and this one is going to be my own patterning now I've spoken about this a number of times in different episodes so I'll sort of keep it brief the core fear I found myself operating on most consistently and in a way that I can observe, is the fear of social rejection. And similar to the stories I just shared, I have one specific memory that I closely link with this pattern. But of course, there may be, you know, several other smaller incidents that happened over time to sort of reinforce this fear and my patterning around it. So I was around 10 or 11, I believe, when this happened. So again, very young. And me and about five of my peers from my grade were moved into the grade above us. So let's say I'm in grade five at this point. We were put into a classroom with grade sixes because essentially there were too many kids in my grade. So I'm in this new social environment and As far as I can remember at this point, I don't have like a great deal of social insecurities, but as I said, it was me and five others, one of which was my best friend at the time, which was nice because again, it was a completely new social environment. Now, right off the bat, the popular crew from the new class we were in were not about me, but they very quickly accepted my best friend. 
Long story short, one night I slept over at my best friend's house and she told me that we couldn't be friends anymore. And not too long after that, the whole group of girls from the kind of popular group in the grade above us, including my best friend, sat me down at recess and told me to stop following them and to leave what had formerly been my best friend alone, which you can imagine is just like a very embarrassing sad experience and I didn't understand why it was happening. I didn't understand why I was being rejected. But then, of course, I immediately started to ruminate on that. Why did this happen? And honestly, for a long time, that was a really painful memory. But now I share it more so to reflect on the ideas I internalized about myself and my place in social circles then that I've carried with me even up until now. So regarding social groups in general, the ideas that I began to internalize from this experience and thereafter is there is only so much room for so many people to be included that someone else being included may lead to me being excluded, that people will leave you if better social opportunities present themselves, And then there's also ideas that I formed about myself, which are I'm not acceptable as I am and I have to work really hard to be included socially. And another way of looking at it is that my social standing will be at risk if I'm myself. How these beliefs about myself and about social life in general manifested at that time was feeling desperate to fit in, you know, altering myself and my personality and my interests in order to fit in, regrettably excluding others when I achieved any level of social status because, again, I'm operating on that idea that there's only so much room. Also, overthinking social interactions, trying to have as big of a social circle as I possibly could. But like I mentioned, I can still observe this pattern in my life even now. And one way that's very obvious to me is my career. So how that's manifesting is constantly obsessively checking how the things that I create are performing and you know, oftentimes feeling very, very discouraged if the outcome isn't what I desire or doesn't feel like it's at a level that will be acceptable to others. Altering and heavily curating the way that I express myself at times and admittedly feeling jealousy or envy towards those who I perceive to be more successful in the field. So again, that looked like being jealous of people who were included in the social circle when I was young. And that same sort of patterning looks a little bit different now, but of course, it's still showing up. Of course, through a lot of the reflection and healing I've done, the volume of this fear and the impact it has on me has been significantly reduced. And in fact, I don't think I would be able to function in this career if I had the same relationship with rejection that I did when I was younger. So I can see that I have certainly healed a lot. I've come a long way with that patterning. But it can still be frustrating to see it playing out and feel myself giving into it from time to time in a way that feels counterproductive to where I want to be. And that just 
doesn't feel in tune with who I am at the core. So going back to the driver's seat example, from time to time, especially when I feel very vulnerable or certain aspects of my experience remind me of maybe memories from childhood or those feelings of being rejected, allowing the fear to take the driver's seat and then noticing that that's happening can be very frustrating because I don't like the direction that that takes me in. I've talked many times about my core value, especially as it relates to my career of freedom. So the freedom to express myself freely, to experiment, to try new things, to create. And what's interesting is that this fear of mine so frequently hinders my feeling of freedom. It limits me in even subtle ways, sometimes more obvious ways. Because it tells me that if I express myself in a specific way or share that idea or say that thing, I'll be rejected. And how have I habitually responded to that threat in the past? I've avoided it. I've closed myself off. I've limited myself. But witnessing this pattern in my life even now, I feel is an invitation to, as they say, evolve or repeat. The more I am aware of the fear and its manifestations, the better chance I have of interrupting it and creating a new pattern, a pattern that is actually rooted in the desires I have for my life. And asking myself what it would look like over time to allow these patterns to become the foundation of my thoughts, behaviors, decisions, and self-expression instead of those rooted in pain or fear avoidance. So being familiar with what it feels like when fear is in the driver's seat and being familiar with what that destination looks like is very helpful for me because I have the opportunity to redirect that and take myself in a new direction. And while the fear-based patterning still manifests itself, again, in this case, in my career in different ways, I would actually say it's also an example, my career, of what consistently making decisions rooted in my desires for life can look like. So although fear has definitely been in the driver's seat from time to time, I would say that my career is an example where I've consistently gotten back into the driver's seat and taken myself in a direction that I desire. And sometimes I even think of my chosen career path as one big healing journey from past social experiences. I may be very comfortable allowing fear to be in the driver's seat because, again, when fear is in the driver's seat, I avoid certain experiences that are scary to me. But taking back the control, taking things in the direction that I desire and doing so through my career is a way of consistently choosing to show up for myself, to express myself, to put myself out there despite the constant threat of judgment, criticism, and rejection, and to see what direction that takes me in, to consistently make that choice. And you may be thinking, like, it's really not that deep. You're just a content creator. And really, it's not that deep. But for me, it can be really confronting at times. But now I have this proof, this tangible proof of what it can look like to follow that thread of desire versus always responding to and making those life decisions based on 
avoiding a specific fear. And, you know, I have my whole career to show for consistently interrupting and going against that fear-based response. And that's a big motivator for me. Again, not 100% of the time, but the majority of my decisions go against that fear. The other thing is that, simply put, when I was making the majority of my decisions with the intention of avoiding the fear, I just wasn't happy. I felt limited and constrained. Like my identity and basically whole existence was confined to certain options that would keep me safe or at least what I perceived to be options that would keep me safe and anything outside of that would put me at risk of being rejected. So my life became very limited and my options became very limited and I didn't feel good about that. And you know, what I'm trying to say here is I think there can be a lot of opportunity in identifying what those core fears are, reflecting on how they're manifesting in our lives now, asking if that manifestation is reflective of our own desires for life, and if not, seeing what other alternatives are available to us and the mechanisms that we can use to interrupt those fear-based decisions or thoughts, for example. And, you know, what outcomes may be possible if we begin to make more decisions in the spirit of the lifestyle we desire versus always avoiding what we fear. And by the way, when I was consuming a lot of self-help, I would see the messaging everywhere of, you know, eradicate fear, eliminate fear. I would see that everywhere. And that's not actually my goal nor do I think that it's necessarily possible. You know, in the case of social rejection, I think that is a very valid fear. We are social creatures, so trying to eliminate that fear altogether feels like trying to override what's hardwired into my nature. There was a period of time where I tried telling myself, you know, I don't care, whatever, like I'm just going to do what I want to do and I don't care. But the truth is that I do and that's okay. And actually, the desire for social acceptance and community can be a really positive driving force for me. But just like any other fear, I have to find ways to coexist with it without allowing it to take over my whole identity and life because I don't think that's a pleasant way to spend my time here. So one analogy I shared was, you know, having your fear in the driver's seat. Another way I sometimes like to think of this is like I'm going on a trip with an anxious companion. Now, I'm probably not going to have my companion plan the whole thing and take over the whole thing for the both of us because that may end up being really limited and inconvenient and probably just not very fun. But I can be aware of my companion's needs and can put things in place to soothe their anxieties so hopefully it's a more pleasant experience for us both. I am not really a big fan, nor have I found it to work well for me to just try to bust out of my shell and dive in headfirst to something I find to be really scary. That may work for others, doesn't really work for me. I find a more gradual sort of handheld approach where I'm almost compromising with my fear a little bit, 
but I'm still in the driver's seat. I found that to be much more effective. So when I first started putting myself out there on social media, for example, that was something that was really scary for me. But I just kept experimenting more and more in a way that I still felt safe doing. And at every stage, I would show that fearful part of myself, I'm still here. I'm still okay. I'm still safe. And so slowly, I begin to feel safe with more. I begin to feel myself outgrowing certain manifestations of my fear-based patterning. And I can see my life taking a new direction that isn't so influenced by avoiding that fear. And that is really satisfying for me. So, you know, I still have my anxious travel companion with me, but they're no longer in the driver's seat. With that, we have arrived at the end of the episode. Thank you for going on this journey with me. I really love to share episodes like this because it helps me to look back, appreciate the evolution, and see just how powerful it can be to stack even tiny, tiny decisions that are rooted in what I desire for my life to kind of stack those against each other and see what it leads to and to appreciate even in the moment that I feel overcome by fear just how far I've come and that I am capable of overcoming it. So I hope you found something that resonated with you here. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. As always, you know where to find me and I'll leave it at that for this week. Have a great rest of your week and I'll see you in the next episode. Confidence starts with loving who you are and when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.